but I'm thankful for each one of you. I'm thankful that God is keeping you good. And even if our definition of good doesn't match, you need to understand that in God's eyes, He will do only what is good. Right? Our definitions may change of what is good, what is best, what is better. But God's definition of good is intact. And what He does is always good. What He says is always good. Right? So don't let your thoughts overwhelm you. If your life is not going good, if your, if your actions are not going good, if your health is not in a good place, turn to the God who can still make it all good. Right? With that, I welcome each one of you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here and uh, uh, making sure that you are coming for the fellowship. That is really crucial in these days. My name is uh, Georgie. I'm, I'm Pastor Georgie. For those of you who are here for the first time, oh, I'm here for the first time when you guys have already been here. So forgive me for that. I'm Georgie and uh, I'm a, a designer by profession, but also a pastor by faith. And, uh, it's, it's an opportunity to be with you, to continue the service, to continue uh, sharing some things, some things that I've been learning over the past few months. And, and uh, something from that entire bottle one part of it, I'm going to bring it to you this uh, this evening. I hope you will be ready with me. Yeah, I hope that you will receive it with an open heart, not with doubt, but with lots of faith. Because today we are going to talk about faith. Now, basically, how many of you have faith? Everyone's going to raise their hands, right? It's it's a, it's it's like a nonchalant question. Everyone has faith, but. What kind of faith are we talking about? That's what we're going to look into, alright? Now, there are some questions in, in the past history of uh, which have been misjudged, you know? Questions such as uh, when, when the first idea of uh, drilling through the land to bring out oil, when it was first pitched, it was kind of rejected because they had no idea there would be oil. When they talked about computers, the, the pitch was given, but they said there won't be more than five computers in an area. When it was provided for laptops, it was given not every house will be able to afford it. You know, some questions or some, some ideas were misjudged. But today, if we look at it, all of these mis misjudged ideas are now expanding without any control, right? There has been, now I think every, house has a laptop or a phone or an iPad. It was all beyond question. It was all beyond understanding. But it is it amazes me that people didn't catch the idea or the vision of what the person was about to do. Right? That is often the time we may say that people don't get what I want to do. Have you ever felt that? How many of you felt that? Recently have you felt that? That they're not understanding what I'm trying to show or what I'm trying to do. But let me ask you, how many of you are confident that you know what God is wanting to do? Do you get the idea of what He wants to do in you? Do you have the idea of what He wants to do through you? Now we all want people to understand what we want to achieve. But let me tell you, throughout your life, if only one thing you could achieve, it should be this, that you understood what God wanted to achieve in your life. 
everything else, Matthew 6.33, it will be done. But not at the cost of what God wants to do. To many of us, we are trying to achieve things that we want, but we are keeping God's achievements and works on hold. So let us make sure that God's vision and God's achievements and God's plans in our lives are not kept on hold just so that we could do what we want to do. So faith is kind of a, a very simple concept according to some ideas, some thoughts, some people. But it is also a very crucial thought. Have you ever been to a reunion? Reunions? Family reunions? School reunions? How was the welcome that you received? Were you overwhelmed with joy? Anytime? Anyone? If you meet a long lost friend, how do they greet you? Do they slap you at the face or do they have you tight? There's, there's, a, there's an overflowing of joy, right? Why? Because that's the kind of welcome or reception we receive. But when we look in today's scriptures, Jesus, he did a whole lot of miracles, right? But when after doing the miracles, he went back to his hometown, he should have been a well-known and a well-received star by then. But he didn't get that reception. Now, if Jesus didn't receive the reception that he deserved, it is okay if at times people don't receive you as it should happen. Okay? Don't let your heart be broken. Jesus knows what rejection feels like. I'm going to talk about that as well. Right? But firstly, let's look what, what Jesus went through. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. We're going in to look into two chapters, not the entirety, but two uh, two books and then some chapter verses in it. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 onwards to 6. Mark 6, 1 to 6. And it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country. His disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to te teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these teachings? Right? And what wisdom is this which, which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Third verse, it's, they go on to say, Is this not the carpenters, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are they not, are, are, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Highlight that if you can. Right? Verse 4, and Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5, now he could not do mighty works there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6, and he marveled. I want you to mark that. Today we are going to look what marvels or what amazes Jesus. In NIV, it says amazes, okay? So, what amazes Jesus? He marveled because of what? Because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages. He continued doing what he wanted to do. But he was amazed at the unbelief. How many of you would love to amaze Jesus? Now, I mean, we often are amazed at the works of Jesus, right? Are you ever ever amazed at what God is doing? 
Were you ever shocked, like your jaws dropped, thinking, okay, how did this happen? How did God bring this to pass? Witness that? Yeah? But I never thought that Jesus could be amazed by us humans. Because he's all-knowing. He knows what's in and out. He knows how we think. He knows how we plan. He knows how we program things. So, it, it, is, it, is, it is very hard to surprise someone who knows it all. Right? Which is why my family has a tough time because I am it's I am connected with the Burra church and with the youths in Burra in such a way that even if something surprising comes up, someone lets me know, okay, we are planning this. So when my wife comes up to me and say, hey, we are about to go out, I say, I know. She's like, why? Why are you never surprised? Why is there never an amazing? I'm like, I'm happy. But she's like, but you were not surprised. I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was, that was an obligation. Next time I will be surprised. But Jesus, he knows it all. He knows everyone. He knows each of our thoughts. But he says he was still marveled. Now, it is hard to amaze God, but still God was amazed, not because of what good they had, but because of their dead faith. The very first thing that we as believers can do is surprise God because of our dead faith. What is dead faith? Dead faith is proclamation and not possession. Let me repeat that. That thing is just proclamation and not possession. You remember in the book of James, he says, don't just be hearers of the words of God, but be doers. Many of us, we proclaim that we are Christians. We proclaim that I'm praying. We proclaim that I believe in Jesus. But our actions, our lifestyle, it fails to prove that we actually believe in God. What's the problem? It's, the problem is not what we are doing. The problem is that our faith is not manifesting or pleasing to what faith he actually wanted to see. Dead faith is a big hindrance. And dead faith is one of the steps which surprises God. After everything that he has done and still people fail to trust him, he will definitely be surprised. He will definitely be surprised. You know, have you ever helped someone over and over again? And then you find them falling over and over again still? Wouldn't you be surprised that by now you should have learned? Right? By now you should not be going to that place or not be hanging out with these people or not be eating that food. That food is not good for your stomach. But you're still eating. By now you should have learned. Jesus... He has done so much that it, he, he should have been okay with these people because they have already known what kind of things Jesus is capable of doing. But what shocked him was not that they trusted him, but after having all of this done, they still doubted him. My question to you, if you remember, you were amazed of, at all the things that Jesus has done in your life, right? 
then why are there still days and moments where you take the matter into your own hands and fail to trust him? That amazes Jesus. That after all that he has done, and you and I, we still fail to trust him, knowing that if he has defeated them, he's able to do this again. But then I'm filled with fear, then I'm filled with anxiety, then my thoughts are playing with me and I enter into a depression mode. I cut off from the people, I stop going for fellowship, I hang out in my own zone. What's happening? Did you forget what God has already done for you? And that's where it surprises him. It surprises Jesus when we fail to trust him. James 2.26 just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So now we can claim to have faith, but if we don't have a life of faith, we are living in an opposite direction. Now I'm going to give you two, uh, what do we say? Two ideas, not ideas, two signs of dead faith. The very first thing, right? Dead faith will, will question the authority of Jesus. The very first sign that you are walking or living a dead faith life is you will question the authority of Jesus. Let's go back to verse 2. Mark 6 verse 2. Sabbath came, he began to teach and they were astonished saying, what was the first question? Where did this man get these things? Right? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? Such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpet? See, familiarity kicked in. And they failed to trust Jesus to be the Son of God and just subdued him to be a carpet. They questioned authority of Jesus by putting in their own knowledge and information rather than trusting what he was doing or teaching them in the same. Our knowledge can be a blessing, but too often it becomes a hindrance to take the step of faith. We are so wise that we fail to understand if I give all of my time to Jesus, how will I have time for myself? Sure. We have questions that he, he said, forgive as you have been forgiven. But why should I forgive? My friend told me they don't deserve forgiveness. Neither do we. We still get forgiveness. We still are forgiven. We still are made new every day. What happens? When we doubt the authority of Jesus, we know that we are walking in the faith. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't, it's not bad to question Jesus. Okay, You can ask questions. But never, never downsize the authority of Jesus in your life. Don't tell him, I know what I'm doing. Never. Don't live a life that says that I know how I need to handle this. Never. You see, in these two verses, they ask six questions. Look at this. Where did he get these things? How are these mighty things being done from his hands? Is this not the carpenter's son? Uh, is this not the carpenter? Is he not the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas? Sisters are not with us. He, they asked five, six questions, but they didn't allow him to answer any of these questions. 
They bombarded him with questions, but they never permitted Jesus to talk. And doubting is Satan's favorite tactic to detract you from the life of faith. Do you remember the question that he asked Eve in the Garden of Eden? What was the question? Did he really say that? Are you sure you're going to die? They questions are not bad, but when you're questioning what God has already said, that is a big trouble. God has told you to abstain from certain habits, to abstain from certain kind of people, to abstain from certain resources, and we think that what bad could happen? You're questioning the authority of Jesus. What's the worst that could happen? I pray that you never get to know that. The worst that could happen is the earth could open up and each one of us could be down there. The worst that could happen is a, th is a lightning strike could just hit me. The worst that could happen is I suddenly just collapse because my heart stopped beating. There's a lot of worse that could happen, but it's not happening yet. Why? Because of His grace. But one day that grace is going to stop and the judgment is going to begin. Our grace period is not a period of leisure. Our grace period is a period of restoration and renewal. We renew ourselves in the spirit and the word of God so that when the judgment day comes and Jesus looks at us, he sees himself in our lives. We are meant to be the reflections of Christ on earth. Today is one of the very fundamental topics that are being taught by motivational speakers. Just be you. Everyone knows that. You should be you. But I challenge you, cross-check that throughout the scriptures. I won't find anywhere, you won't find it anywhere where God says just be you. You're not supposed to be you. You're supposed to be like Christ. Amen? That's what you're supposed to be. We are not directionless people. Jesus has set an example for us. He said, I have set myself as an example so that you may do what I have done. But here we are trying to find out who we really are. You are supposed to be the vessels of his glory, not empty vessels making noises. You are supposed to be the vessels of his glory proclaiming the kingdom of God on earth rather than being lost in this world. You are supposed to be the people who stands in the storms, not just open up the sea. You stand in the storm and show them that this is how by faith I can stand and you can stand with me. Too many of us, we are busy figuring our life out rather than trying and having faith to trust God and just start doing what he has already told us to do. You don't have to fast and pray for your vision. Don't wait to work with God. Start doing what in the scriptures he has already told you to do. Sure, maybe at the age of 40 or 50, you'll get your purpose. He'll give you this command. Okay, now you're supposed to do this. But to reach the age of 50, you still should do what God has told you from the age of 1 to 50. And then at 50, you say that, but I haven't received anything. Well, 
To the faithful, he, he gives much. But to the unfaithful, he takes away what was given and then gives it to the faithful. My question in this topic, are you faithful to what God has already given you? What God has already told you? What God has already taught you? Are you faithful to the teachings that Pastor Roy has been sharing with you? Your family members have been sharing with you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you, you listen to several podcasts. You, you go through various sermons and preachers keeping and they keep pouring into your life. Are you faithful to what you are receiving? Or are you just being wise and knowledgeable in your hearts? They doubted. They questioned the authority of Jesus. Just like... Just like Satan did with Eve. He didn't tell them that nothing, he didn't tell Eve nothing was going to happen. He made her doubt if anything was going to happen. He made her doubt if Jesus, if God really did say that. The members of the synagogue, they scandalized Jesus just because they knew him as the carpenter or the son of Mary. The practical truth is this. He knows what is, it, it feels like to be rejected. His own society, his own family, even his own brothers, they rejected him. And for you to think that no one knows what rejection feels like, I'm here to tell you, Jesus knows the best. He was rejected by his family. He was rejected by his disciples. He was uh, betrayed by his disciples. He knows betrayal. He knows rejections. And I know that the same God who felt this is the same God who can heal you of your scars of rejection today. You may have put in a lot of work and your your project was maybe rejected. Maybe your your uh, plans for for the for the for the submission or your your assignments they didn't get approved or something where you are working on and something that you were wanting to do with your family back home but your family didn't agree with it. Your rejection is no. Please don't think that no one knows or feels your rejection. You are seen. Your pain is known by the creator of heaven and earth. You don't have to fight this alone. He knows rejection and he knows how to heal rejection still. Right? He knows what it feels like to be despised, but he knows how to heal you still. Is this not the carpenter? Now Jesus, he was more than a carpenter by the age of 30. He was kind of like the, a craftsman. Okay? You know what a craftsman is? A craftsman is someone who is able to do anything to fix things up. Right? So if, if there's a plumbing problem, they'll be able to fix that back at home. If there's no one at home and you want to cook, they'll be able to cook. If, if the, uh, the uh, leg of the chair is broken, they'll be able to fix it. So they are very skilled. They know how to correct things up. Right? But they saw Jesus just as a carpenter. Now this craftsman is alive and he's present here today. Some of you, you have broken pieces, but I know a craftsman who can heal it. But the thing is, if have, have any of you ever had your phone broken, damaged, screen damaged? No shame. Yeah. Did you ever get it repaired? Yeah? Oh. Mine did not. Good for you, guys. So, how did you get it repaired? Did you take the broken piece or did you take the entire phone? And you gave it to who? The T-Post fellows? You gave it to who? 
the guy who can fix it, the service center. We are giving up broken pieces to the wrong people and still hoping that we would be fixed. My best friend is going to hear me out and everything will be fine. No, it's not. My partner is going to hear me out and it's going to be fine. No, it's not. My family members are going to hear me out and it's going to be fine. No, it's not. It's good that you share, but until and unless you bring it to the master craftsman, none of us can be fixed. So stop making Jesus as your second source of support and make him your first and the priority source of support. Run to him first, then your best friend, then your partners, then your family friends, then your relatives, then your parents. Do it all. But God first. You cannot be fixed. You cannot be healed. You cannot be restored if you don't bring all the pieces together. Some of us, we, we share, okay, I'm, I have feel, felt rejection. So just deal with the rejection, Lord. No, 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 no. Rejection is part of your body. Just because the top end of the screen broke doesn't mean I don't give them the, the entire body. I don't say that, okay, I'm just going to give you the top right screen. I have to give them the entire phone. You want healing, you want deliverance, you want restoration, bring your entirety in the presence of God and let him do what he does best. Stop holding back. Stop holding back pieces of your life and allowing God just certain rooms. Will you be willing to give him your broken heart, your broken thoughts, your anxious thoughts? Give it to him and let him restore you. Let him heal you. Let him comfort you this evening and evermore. So that's the first thing. Secondly, dead faith limits the flow of God's power. Now this is very crucial. Dead faith limits the flow of God's power. Look at verse 5. Mark 6 verse 5. And he couldn't do no mighty work there. How many of you believe God's power is unlimited and above all? You all believe? But still it says that he could not do a work there. Why? Because of these party people. They were there, but their faith hindered the work of God. They were there, present, Hearing what Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, but they were not ready to believe what they were, he was teaching in the synagogue. They were present, just like each one of us is here. But some of us, we are allowing God to work on a full scale. Some of us, we are just not receiving what God can do. And then some of us wonder why God is not doing something in my life. How will God do anything in your life if you don't give him your everything? God is omnipotent. He is powerful. But there is only one area in this entirety of universe where God limits his omnipotence. And that is your will. Your, your will. Will you allow God to work and do his, do his purpose fully? Will you allow him to be your Lord and Savior? You see, Jesus paid the price, but he didn't say that now you have to accept me as the Lord and Savior. Did he, Josh? He said, if you believe, 
He did not tell the uh, he, he did not tell the mind, okay, because I'm saying so. But if you believe, if you believe, now if you believe, God can do something good. But if you don't, that's the place where God withholds and says, okay, as you wish. God being the king of kings, it's only one place where he doesn't want to overrule your life. That is your free will. You can decide how much God wants and should do in your life. You can decide how God wants to work in your life. You can decide when God wants to work in your life. You see, if you allow God to talk to you whenever he wants to, he will maybe talk to you when you're walking to your class. He may be wake you up in the middle of the night just to have a conversation. But then we limit him by saying, God, I'm about to sleep. Please make, wake me up tomorrow morning. All healthy, wealthy and fine. So then we cut off the night hours where he maybe would have talked to you. Can you imagine the countless number of hours that we just ripped out of the hands of Jesus where he wished that he could have talked to you? Just imagine the areas where he could have dealt with you on a personal level if only we had given him the entire space to do as he wished. He could not do a work there. The Nazareth citizens, they mistook Jesus as a carpenter and familiarity kicked in and that familiarity made them complacent, made them, made them to reject what Jesus wanted to do in their lives. They had watched Jesus grow up and they thought there's nothing so special about him. I was... This was uh, a couple of weeks back, even before, uh, this was I think in the month of December during Christmas carols and even before I started uh, writing this. I, we were, went out to carols and one of the families, uh, they, they were living in an area in which like one kilometer away is a dumping ground. And it stinks. Right? It stinks really bad. So every time we had to go through there, it was a horrible time. And when we reached their home and we would ask them, hey, how, how is it okay with you guys? Doesn't that smell? And the brother said, what smell? Did you get it? They have been in that place for so long that that unnecessary smell was now just a familiar smell for them. That is the mess of familiarity. Even the wrongs feel okay. Even the unwanted feel right. Even the denied things feel good because we are familiar with it. We are familiar with how PSU works. So we take it too casually. We are familiar how the service is going to go. There will be intercession, there will be praise and worship, then the pastor will come up and give a, uh, give a word. It's all familiar. But you're ripping away what God in the supernatural work could have done in your life if you had not settled for familiar. Why do you want to settle for familiar when God can do one new thing every day? I'm familiar tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend one hour in prayer and then I'm going to head out for my classes. It's familiarity. What if you rip that familiarity out and God say, God, 
Even if it's just 15 minutes, I'm just giving you the full control. Teach me what you want to teach. Familiarity can hinder God's work and God's power in our lives. You see, Jesus Christ is here today. Amen? You believe that? No matter whether you came in unprepared or just walked in without any prayer, just thought that, okay, it's just another Sunday service. Let's just go and be there. I want to let you know, your presence is good, but it's the presence of God that makes it all come to life. There are some of us here who come in and then walk out of this place transformed. Why? Because you are, they allow God to work in the full power. And then there's some of us who come back week after week in the same way, in the same thinking pattern, in the same walking pattern, in the same way we talk. We have been the same over and over again. Why? Because we are familiar with what's going to happen. There's no place for faith when you're familiar with everything. Do you have faith that Jesus is speaking to you from this scripture today? Because how many of you have read this scripture before? You know the scriptures? Yeah? Yeah, you know, but if we are familiar with this and say, I know what's this. You're not just, you're not blocking me. It's okay if you block me out. But you're blocking the living word which could have brought a life in your life. Please, don't let Jesus be marveled because just because you think you know him well. Don't let your worship, worship sessions be a casual ones where you casually walk in. There's no zeal, there's no joy. It's, it's boring to walk into a life house and still feel dead. Let me repeat that. Jesus is our life house and we enter the house of fellowship, we enter the house of worship and praise, we enter the house of deliverance and prayers, but we are still standing like a dead man walking. There's no joy in our hearts, there's no energy, there's no zeal, you know it's, it's feel like ah, I have to go to the class tomorrow. I mean, I understand that feeling. But I don't understand that feeling being applied to your fellowship services. Ah, I have, it's another, another, some, another Monday service. Another intercession. Uh, it, it's, it's a family meeting. I know what's going to happen. But what if God did something that you didn't know was going to happen and yet you failed to see it? But someone else saw it and then you wonder, why didn't I see it? Well, it's because you allow familiarity to rule your heart rather than faith to rule your heart. Get rid of the familiarity. Okay? Be, allow yourself to be surprised by the Word and the Spirit of God every single day. Whenever you open the book of God, whenever you open the Word of God, allow yourself to be marveled. As Jesus was, okay, what? What's happening with this? I, I'm going to share you another thing towards the end of this uh, sermon. I have read that passage over and over for I don't know how many years. But I'm going to share with you something that I just recently learned from. Okay? So, two things. You can, uh, first thing, you can surprise or amaze God by dead faith. And dead faith shows in two ways. What is the first thing? We question the authority of Jesus. And secondly, we limit 
the work of Jesus. Okay? So if those two things are visible in our lives, Elton, we know that we are possessing a dead faith. Alright? Have you heard the term dead weight? What's dead weight? It's no use, but you're still carrying it. It's not going to benefit you, you're still carrying it. Dead faith is just occupying your life, whether, whereas you could have just used faith the side of a mustard seed and just allowed it to furnish. So get rid of dead faith. Secondly, let's not allow our familiarity to hinder God's work in our lives. All right. Now, that was the first way that Jesus was amazed. Secondly, now Jesus can be amazed by dead faith. Second, Jesus will be amazed by dynamic faith. A dynamic faith is the best way to please God. What is a dynamic faith? Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 verses 1 onwards to 10. Luke 7, 1 to 10. How many of you know the story of Jesus healing the centurion's servant? Know this? Familiar with it? Will you be ready to be surprised by it again? Alright, that's good. At least some applications. <laughs> right. So, what happens now? Now, when he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So, when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading, him, uh, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, The one for, uh, for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. And Jesus went with him, uh, with them. And when he was already not far from his house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Isn't that a big contradiction to what we just read? First, he was marveled because of the people who thought they knew who he was. Now he was marveled because of a centurion's faith. Now why was this guy's faith so critical, was so crucial? You see, Jesus was amazed because this centurion was a Gentile. He was not a Jew, he was a Roman soldier. Alright, now people apart from the God's people having the honor and reverence towards Jesus, that amazed him because his own house did not give him the respect that he did deserve. So he was taken aback when he saw that, hey, a Roman soldier, a centurion giving me such a respect, he was an authority over a hundred men. And in that authority, he said that he would say the things, he was a commanding officer, so anything he said, they would do it. If he told them to go bring something, they would all do it. So he says that I know what it is like to be in authority. And I know that you are in authority, so just do me this. Say your word, and I know you're my servant will be you. Authority understood authority, right? Want to know how to be a person of dynamic faith? 
Here are some things. First thing, dynamic faith will always focus on others and not self. A dynamic faith will focus on others and not self. What does the scripture say? Did the centurion approach Jesus or send his servants or elders to ask anything for himself? Did he ask, say that, okay, let me get a promotion? Was that the scripture? Did he say that, okay, let there be favor in the eyes of my seniors that I may get an increment? What? Was there a prayer? He said that, okay, what about expanding my troops? Was that the prayer? That I may be fruitful and that I may flourish and that I may have this. Was any of it? What was it about? It was about one of his servants. Out of the many servants he had, he still was worried about that one servant. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were actually worried for someone rather than just yourself? We're so full of ourselves. And then we say, Lord, have your way. How can we he have his way if he doesn't even have a place in our lives? I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you to raise your hands, but we often say that I'm completely surrendered to Christ. Do we not? Yeah? Make sure that you have your actions proving what you're saying. If you're 100% committed to Christ, you will have no excuse to letting go or to rejecting a family prayer. You will have no excuse of not being on time. You will not have. Uh, you will have no excuse to not opening up the Bible and praying. If you are hundred percent committed, you will sacrifice everything so that you can stay committed. But complacency in believers' lives is hindering dynamic faith in our lives. Now we are just known by our our titles, and we are not known by our relation. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relation where the Son of God came down in the form of man so that man could be transformed in the image of God. But we fail to understand this. But Centurion, this guy, he did. He said, I just say the word. And what did Jesus say for him? I say to you, I have not found such a great faith, not even in Israel. What a bummer for Israel. Israel, who has been personally chosen, separated and called out, who saw miracles after miracles, who saw signs and wonders in the wilderness, who walked with God, under God for 40 years, who saw the sea opening up, who saw manna, who received manna from heaven, who, who had the experience of the pillar of cloud and fire before them during the day and night. But Jesus says, even in them, I believe this is the greatest. How... How painful would it be to hear God saying that this new believer has greater faith than you all who have been knowing him for 10 years. But I'm a leader, I'm a pastor. But if God says that, hey, this new kid, he, he, he trusts me more than you. Man, my title is, is in ruins. My position is in ruins. Why? Because I am holding on to my place, but I'm not holding on to Christ in faith. 
Too many of us, we are so occupied holding on to our positions that we are not leaving space for faith or trust to work. We know how to handle things and then we fail to trust God and allow Him to handle things. When will you let go and truly allow God to be marveled at your faith? You and I, we should be, this word should be towards us that I have never seen a faith like this in Israel. You want a life goal? This should be your life goal. Jesus saying, when you approach heaven, when you approach his throne, Jesus saying, I've never seen such a faith. Forget the miracles and signs and wonders that will happen through your life. Forget the prophecies that you will cast, bring out upon people. This should be the best thing that Jesus says. One, well done my faithful servant. And this, I've never seen such a great faith. But today, what are we known for? Everything but faith. We are known as people who love to sing and dance and jump and, and pray and speak in tongues. But let me ask you, what about the faith? If you say, if you say, I believe what I'm praying, your actions and your lifestyle should prove it. If you say, I believe this promise verse is for me, then your thought process should prove it. Faith without actions is alive. Right? What's the use of praying if you're not trusting that God is going to answer? Oh, ye of little faith. And then this guy, what a great thing. A centurion, out of all people, a Roman soldier being commended for his faith. This hit me when I wrote this. I had to cross check, I had to pray, I had to sit down and actually evaluate where am I standing in my faith life. If I don't have the confidence that this verse can be applied to me, then me standing here or sharing in the churches or being with the youth, it's all just a work and not a faith life. I'm just pouring out of emptiness. Dynamic faith, it needs you to focus on others. Stop praying for yourself every now and then. Be careful that you're not so self-consumed that you fail to see what others are going through. I know you're going through pain, I know you're going through a brokenness, I know that you're, you're overwhelmed with things, but that doesn't mean your neighbor is not. That doesn't mean your classmate is not. That doesn't mean that maybe your lecturer is not going through a hard time at all. Each one of them is fighting. Each one of them is struggling. I encourage you to take a moment and pray for it. Don't be so full of yourself that you have eyes only for you. Allow your eyes to see what God wants you to see. Allow Him to lead you to the people He wants you to be with. Allow Him to lead you in prayer for the people He wants you to pray. Bless me. It may seem a harmless prayer. But the danger is that it focuses on you and your needs and not others. And no matter how good your faith is, if it's not dynamic and focusing on others, it is not pleasing God. Secondly, 
Dynamic faith acts producers of kindness and love. Dynamic faith produces acts of kindness and love. Look at this. Verse 4. When they came to Jesus, the elders, they, they begged him earnestly saying that the one for whom he should do this was what? He was deserving. Why? Look at verse 5. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. The people were vouching for the centurion. Why? Because he was a kind and loving person who made sure that the people around them, around him, were blessed in ways. If I asked you this week, who were you kind to? Who did you serve? Who did you bless? Would you be able to write at least three names? Our faith is not meant for our progress alone. Our faith is meant so that we could be a blessing to others. The common pattern of hospitality, but still hatred, was that between Jews and Romans there was no unity. Jews would serve Jews, Romans would serve Romans. But to find a Roman guy serving the Jews, that was the difference between the rest of the Romans and the centurions. And the elders came and said, this guy deserves it. Would you be able to ever testify that some people or someone would be able to watch for you and say, Lord, this person deserves it? Please hear their prayers. I know they have sacrificed a lot. I know they have spent so much time serving people. Lord, do your good work in their life. Too often, our generation, sorry to say, is full of self-promotion. Whether it be Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is currently banned in India, so that's good, thank God. Facebook, everything, follow me, add me, snap me, everything is me. Follow me to see more. Follow me, subscribe, follow. Everything is on us. But Jesus' life was less about him and more about others. Centurion manifested that same thing even without knowing Jesus. He was focusing on serving the people around him so that when his turn came, everyone backed him up. Is there anyone backing you up when you are broken down? Is anyone backing you up when you are having a hard time in your life? Is anyone backing you up in prayers and faith and supporting you with, with their faith when you are, your faith is running low? Would the people in Parun be able to say that, hey, this person is a good person. I know they serve a lot. I know they do a lot. I know they sacrifice a lot. Centurion was a loving and kind guy. And as believers, we should not refrain from loving and being kind. Your dynamic faith should be presented, should be seen by the people around you. Third, dynamic faith is expressed in humility. Dynamic faith is expressed in humility. Verse 4 and 5. 
When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly to come, right? But then in verse uh, 6, when Jesus was not so far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not even worthy. What did the elders say? This guy is worthy. He deserves it. But what is this guy saying? I'm not worthy. Others are saying that he's good. He's saying, I'm not so good. Others are saying that you should do him. We vouch for him. He's saying, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm capable enough to have you under my house. Just, just send your word. Pride is the opposite of faith. If you are full of yourself, then your faith prayers are dead because pride cannot support faith. Hear me out. You and I, we are not supposed to be proud. God does what to the proud? What? He opposes the proud, but the humble and the meek? Many of us, we want to be the greatest of all times. The goats. But Jesus calls us to be the sheep. Right? Now, for us to be the greatest, he says you should be the meekest. For the one who is meek, I will make them great. And the one who is great, I will make them humble. We are running in the opposite direction of what Jesus is teaching. And then we pray prayers of faith. People want to, you, we want people to know us. But the purpose of faith is that people not know us, but they know Christ through us. I'm, I'm known for, for wonderful worship. I'm known for a wonderful voice. Of course you are. But then you lost the entire purpose of your worship. Your purpose of worship was not that people would know your voice, that they may hear the voice of God. The purpose of your intercession was not so that you they may know that, oh, they are wonderful prayer warriors. They know the scriptures so much. The purpose of intercession was that you may be able to join more into intercession and help them to learn how to intercede. Intercession, prayers, all the positions that we have is not so that we may elevate ourselves, but that through our lives, the name of God be glorified. We need to get rid of us. So that we may have space for him. Christian life is not a performance we want. I was talking to uh, one of the believers this morning before the church service, and uh, I was saying that too often we pray an aggressive prayer. You know what's an aggressive prayer? I'm sure you. Don't be so humble now. <laughs> Lord, I know you have said this, so let it happen. Wait, are you talking to God or your servant? This guy, who is authoritative, he says, Lord, I cannot match you. Too often, we bring our power, our aggression, our knowledge and approach God in, in an aggressive way rather than come before him in humility. He is God. You do not command him to do things. You command the enemy. Don't switch the sides. 
You command the enemy to be out, but don't use that authority to command the enemy to command God what he needs to do. Approach God with respect. Young ones, approach God with respect. Humble yourself before the throne of God and he will lift you up. Too many of us, we are already lifted up, then how will God lift you up? Jesus, you have said this, so you have to do this. Really, you're telling Jesus what he has said? You're reminding him what he has to do? Really? That's not how prayer works. Prayer works in realizing that you're not worthy for God to hear your prayers. But then in Jesus, he made you worthy so that you could, he could hear your prayers. Our work without Christ is worthless. But our worthlessness in Christ, he has made us worthy. Please don't pray in a commanding tone when you talk to God. Try that. Try talking to a senior or superior or your lecturer in that tone. What would happen? Anyone? What would happen? Craig, what would happen? Just get out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever want to see you in my lectures anymore. Probably get a suspension note. Ever gotten suspended because of your actions? <laughs> but you see, if we cannot use that tone speaking to our seniors on earth, how do we use that tone speaking to the king of kings who's ruling everyone? Be soft-spoken. Be humble. Be kind when you talk to God. Don't tell him what he needs to do. Remind yourself what you need to do. Remind of yourself of what God wants to do in your life. So that's the third thing. Fourth and the final thing. Dynamic faith is settled in the word of God. Dynamic faith is settled in the word of God. <sighs> Verse 7. But say the word and my servant will be healed. I believe you can heal my servant. Just say the word. Just say the word. The centurion, he had such a faith that he didn't even want Jesus to be at his home. He knew that just by his word, my servant will be healed. The centurion had such a faith that he didn't even want Jesus to come and put his hand on his servant. He didn't even say, okay, place your hand or bring oil and pour it on his head. He didn't even say that, come and see him and intercede with us, have dinner with us and pray for him. Overnight. He didn't say any of it. He said, just wherever you are, just stop right there and say a word. He was settled that God's word, Jesus' word would be enough for you, for him. You and I, we should be in such a faith that we would be able to believe that God's word is enough for me. Even if I don't think, see things functioning right now, I will believe God's word is enough for me. 
His word says that I, the righteous shall lack no good thing, so I will lack no good thing. His, words has, his word has shown that even in the last moment he has provided, I, I believe that he will provide again. Do you take God up for his word? Or you try to start putting your things into action. I think last week Pastor Roy has uh, taught you from the life of Saul, right? Was it? Yeah. So Saul, what happened? He took the matter into his own hands. That was not his job. And we do the same. We pray, but then we take the matter in our own hands. We think that it was... I was running out of time. No, you're not running out of time. How can you run out of time if the creator of time is standing with you? That creator made the sun stand still and you still think you're running out of time. That creator held the waves open so that the, so that the nation of Israel... Opening up the sea is one thing, but holding it back is another thing. They did not rush thinking, okay, the, the doors are about to close, let's just run through it. No, no. They walked through it. And as soon as the enemy tried to run through it, why? Because the timing of the waves was still controlled by the God of waves. He's not just the God of every situation, he's the God of our time. And if you think this is not the right time to pray, trust me it is. If you think this is not the right time to speak to someone about Jesus, trust me it is. If you think this is not the right time to fast and pray, trust me it is. If you think this is not the right time to skip my sleep because I have my exams tomorrow, if it's not the right time to stay up late and then still read the word of God, it is the right time. No time invested in God is wasted. Okay? So stop thinking that you're wasting time or by saving time, by cutting off something from God's purpose will give you more time. You will not get more time just because you are too wise. No. He will give you time. Matthew 8.13 says, Go, it will be done as you believed it would. So let me ask you this. How many of you come or spend your time in the presence of God believing about something? We all believe about us, right? But dynamic faith, the first point, what was it? It was not about us. It is about others. Do you believe that your friends can truly be saved? Then spend your time investing in that. Do you believe that even if nothing works, my God is still good? Then let your mind be at peace knowing that my God is still good. Do you believe that heaven and earth shall pass away but his words will never? Then believe that it will be. Just as you believe. Just as you believe. Go and it will be done. You see, when you read the word of God, you must believe that God is speaking the truth and nothing less. And when you start believing that God is speaking the truth, you must respond in faith and obedience, not just faith. Now, many of us, we respond in faith, but we don't respond with obedience. Maybe sometime later I'll bring in another uh, other message with you guys. But one of the things in, from the book of John where Jesus said that blessed are those who do what they see they do. To many of us we are believing on what Jesus is saying 
but not doing what Jesus is saying. To many of us, we are believing that he will do great things. But we are not ready to do the great things that he is willing to do. Faith and obedience should be partners in our lives. Not just one. Faith alone. Now some can say in Hebrews 11.6 says, faith, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because if anyone who comes to him should first believe that he exists. Some say that just have faith. You'll be fine. No, you won't be. Just having faith is not enough. Obeying the one who helps your faith is also required. You remember Jesus telling the lepers to go and show themselves to the Right? Did they just believe and sat there? I believe I'm healed. Or did they actually walk out? Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. I believe I'm healed. And he just sat there at the pool. No. He took the mat, even before knew, knowing that he was healed, he took the mat and he started to walk. Why? Because some of us, we are base, basing our faith on, on sight. But sight alone is not helpful for your faith. Faith is something that even if you don't see or feel, you still believe. I don't feel God is moving, but I still believe my God is still moving. Sometimes I don't feel like God is hearing my prayers, but I'm still believing my God is hearing my prayers. Why? Because my feelings change, but my faith remains the same. Don't allow your feelings to dictate you. People say, trust your heart. I say, don't. Because heart is one of the most trickiest and the foolish of all things. Don't trust your heart. I say question your heart. Question it with the word of God. Question it. Why do you think what you're thinking right now? If I'm worried about tomorrow's presentation that I have for my client, I'm thinking, what if I don't get it? I'll respond, what if you don't get it? It's okay. But don't forget the ways that God has already provided for you even when one client didn't respond. Your heart can make you doubt. But the word of God can enable that doubting heart to trust. But too often we get carried away in our feelings that we fail to realize that our life is based on faith and not feelings. Feelings change every day. Today I may, be, I may feel like loving you guys and tomorrow I may feel like I don't want you guys anymore. Not saying that will be, but it's just an example, you know. For some of us at least. But <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But you see, feelings can manipulate. Feelings can change. Faith is true. Why? Because it is based on Jesus. And some of us can say, Well, I'm not a person of faith. Well, you're lying. How many of you have had KFC? KFC? Come on, I've seen you guys. Did you eat it or did you just see it? 
You paid 200 bucks for a, 200 or 300 bucks for a bucket just to see it or eat it. What what if the chef makes something that was not good for you? What if they spiked it with something? But how do you eat it? Oh my goodness, this is amazing! Why? Because you trust the one who made that for you. So you are choosing to have your faith in the person who cooked that for you. You go, you, any of you travel by rickshaw? Cabs? How was the experience? But the moment you sit in the rickshaw, you're putting your faith in the one who's going to drive it. So how can you say that you don't have faith? The chair that you're sitting in, you sat with faith that it's not going to collapse. Why? Because you trust that these are good sturdy chairs or seats that Parul has made or ordered and I trust the, the people or I trust this place. So you have faith. It's just that some of us, we're choosing not to have faith in Christ. For everything you do, you believe. How many of you write exams? You write with a pen, right? Do you believe that the pen, pen will never bleed? Or if the nip bursts open and the entire sheet is just destroyed? You believe the brand. You believe the pen. You have faith that it will not break open. My friends, you have faith. Faith is in your life. What I'm asking you is redirected to the good source. The source that will never bleed open and ruin your life. The source that will never let you fall. And even if you fall, he will never let you stay fallen. The source that can render and, and renew your heart completely brand new. The source that can say, I can again make the sun stand still if it is according to my plan and desire. If you have faith. The people of Nazareth, they had dead faith. They doubted Jesus. But the Gentile, he had the dynamic faith and that pleased Jesus. You know, Abraham is known as the father of faith, right? Why? Because God told him about a dream, about a vision, about a plan, and he just walked out of the house, right? But I'm going to show you another verse where it proves that he was actually a person of faith, right? Let's look into uh, Genesis chapter 13. This is my last verse for now. Genesis 13 and uh, verse... 10, I guess. Sorry, 8 and 9. Genesis 13, 8 and 9. So Abraham said to Lord, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Next. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, and if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. You've read this before? You know of this? What can you say about this scripture?
Let me tell you something. Abraham was so powerful in faith that he didn't bother which side he got. Because he knew whichever side he got, God was with him and he's going to be blessed anyway. This is the kind of faith that we ought to have. We may think that if I achieve this degree or if I get into this job or if I get placement in this firm, then I'm going to be blessed. No, as long as God is with you and you are walking with God, no matter even if you're in a bankrupt place, that bankrupt place will produce fruit because God is the one who blesses you. That is dynamic faith. He didn't say that I'm walking out and God brought me out. So you go to the left and I'll go to the right because I'm always right. No. He said, if you want to choose left, I will take the right. If you want to choose right, I will take the left. Because it doesn't matter. Because I know my God can bless me either way. That is dynamic. If you feel like something is against you or things are not going your way, still trust God and know that as long as you're walking with Him, even the dead valleys will be turned into life. The dry bones can turn into flesh. The barren tree can produce fruit. Why? Because you are with God. There should be an amen for that. Amen. Right? It's not the people, it's not the place, it's not the firm, it is the one you walk with. My friend, my wife cannot bless me with, with a good business, but he can. So as I continue to walk with my wife, I still have to make sure that I'm walking right with God. Right? You can walk with your best friends, do, enjoy life with them, but not at the cost of following or walking with God. Celebrate, go to KFC, go to Burger King, go to Pizza Hut, do whatever you want to do. But Paul says, do it all for the glory of God. When you walk out of the church service, don't forget who you are. Church service is not the place where you become righteous. No. Church service is a place where you come as you are and the world is a place where you stay righteous. You can come broken, destroyed, shattered, confused, anxious, doubting. You can come with that in the presence of God. But once you are in the world, you stay as a faithful, faith-filled and a trustworthy person. Have faith. So which faith life are we, are you finding yourself in right now? Do you trust God to completely make your life as He desires? Or you're still tweaking something in it by yourself and then saying, God, rest of it is yours. I'm not going to change my sleeping pattern, Lord, but as long as I'm awake, it's yours. What if we stop the sleeping pattern completely? Have you thought about that? What if he said, I'm not going to let you sleep anymore? Or what if he said that I'm going to let you sleep forever now? Ugh. See, 
Everything you have is a blessing. The only way to keep it as a blessing is to be thankful and to be faithful with what he has given you. The moment you make your blessings as an excuse, you give him the full authority to take it back. Why? Because he can bear anything, but he cannot see you separating from him. So be people, children of dynamic faith, not dead faith. Stop walking around and commanding Jesus, commanding Holy Spirit, commanding God what they need to do. Don't tell them what they need to do. Approach God and ask, Lord, what do I need to do in this? I know you're going to make a way. So what should I do? Should I wait for another day? Saul didn't wait for another day. But as soon as he took the matter into his own hands, Samuel walked in and everything was done and dusted there. What if you just waited for one more moment? You would have seen God's breakthrough in your life. Do you trust God completely? How are you amazing Jesus in your life? Of course he is being amazed. But is it for good reason or the bad? With this I close the sermon here. But I want you to take a moment and pray. Okay? Just forget your neighbor for now. Okay? And honestly figure out which boat you're currently in.